two, three, break. Down the middle of the field, it is caught. Loose football. Who's got it? Down at the one-yard line. How about that? That is the ultimate kibosh. (laughs) (laughs) And we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. This is part two of the breakdown of the four-person draft that I did with Sean Corner, Chris Raybon, and Peter Jennings, all of whom are here with me. Obviously, I suggest that you listen to part one, where we talk about our strategies and we break down rounds one through six. In this episode, we're going to hit on rounds seven through 18. To recap quickly, through six rounds, Peter started with Kamara, and then he put the tight end squeeze on us by drafting Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle, and then he shifted to wide receiver with Juju and Antonio. Sean went with Zeke in round one, and then he addressed wide receiver and quarterback with Devontae, Hopkins, Mahomes, and Beckham before returning to running back back in round six with Dalvin Cook, uh, and then Raybon went running back for three rounds and then wide receiver for three rounds with Saquon, David Johnson, Le'Veon, and then Michael Thomas, Julio, and Thielen. And I went running back heavy with McCaffrey, Gordon, Gurley, Connor, and Mixon before shifting to tight end at round six with OJ Howard. Okay, fellas, let's get into round seven. Raybon, uh, at the top of the seventh round, you went with Stefan Diggs after taking Adam Thielen at 6.4. Uh, can you talk about doubling up at uh, wide receiver for Minnesota? Yeah, so I just feel like both of those players are guys who are going to continue to see uh, a huge market share of the targets. Uh, again, I'm, I'm trying to really um, – I feel like if I'm going to win this this league, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to win running back and wide receiver because I think um, I think Jennings has a pretty, pretty sizable edge at, at the tight end position. And then I think quarterback will kind of even out a, a little bit more um, than, than tight end, even with Mahomes kind of a tier ahead of, of everybody else. So – uh, I wanted to continue hitting wide receiver, and I like the idea of with uh, the two Minnesota guys, I think both of them are going to be around a 25% target share. And so um, I think, you know, best case scenario, um, we get, you know, some weeks like last year where both of those guys go off. Um, but worst case scenario, um, you know, if one doesn't go off, the other does. And I kind of um, can, can get some, some good value that way from just getting at least one guy with a really high score. So, um, you know, it's, I might not do, take that same approach every week. I might I actually have Keenan Allen ranked ahead of, of Diggs, but um, I just kind of wanted to double up on the Minnesota receivers uh, a little bit for kind of like floor reasons, I guess you would call it. All right, Sean, at 7.2, you went with Nick Chubb, who in the, the four-person format, I think might be in, in the frozen pond here. I might be wrong, but I mean, the reason why I'm saying this is because I think the Kareem Hunt uh, situation is a, a silently potentially deadly situation where Hunt could take a significant share of the backfield work uh, in the second half of the season. But what are your thoughts on Chubb? First of all, how dare you putting Chubb in the frozen pond here? There's no way he's a frozen pond guy. Um, Alex Collins last year, fine, but not Nick Chubb this year. You know, having said that, I, I am a bit worried when Hunt joins the team in week nine or whatever. Um, but that, that's more of a concern for season-long fantasy where I'm, you know, basically tailing my team for the fantasy playoffs. So for best ball, you know, uh, I think it could limit – you know, his weekly floor ceiling combo, but, you know, he's still going to have big weeks, especially, you know, after Freddie Kitchens took over, they, they involve him in the passing game. That's what I'm looking for. So I think when Kareem Hunt comes they'll more phase out Duke Johnson than anything, but you know, the Browns are going to be good. He's going to have some good game scripts. I, I don't think Chubb 
should be considered RB2 by any stretch. I think he's more of a low-end RB1. So I was fine getting him here at the very end when I think he was like the 12 or 13th running back off the board. So perfectly fine getting him here. All right, at six point, uh, sorry, at seven point three, I went with Evan Ingram uh, again. Just didn't want to get shut out of tight ends, and I would have bet I don't know, like a a portion of my left pinky that either Mike Evans or T. Y. Hilton would still be available uh, in the next round. Uh, and of course, when it you know it, Pete at seven point four and eight point one took Mike Evans and T. Y. Hilton. Uh, Pete, tell me about how I suck at life. The biggest advantage to drafting the tight ends early for me was also getting you to draft uh, Howard and Ingram, which I love the Howard pick. I don't love the Ingram pick because I have Howard in a tier by himself. And then, you know, the next couple of guys, Ingram is clearly the next guy to me, but I kind of have all those guys, McDonald, Cook, um, Henry, who's a little riskier than Henry, but has super high upside. Uh, as another tier. So I'm in wide receiver mode totally at this point. Uh, Mike Evans, actually, I have, you know, right next to Antonio Brown. So I was thrilled to get him. That was actually probably my favorite pick overall in the draft. I think this Tampa Bay team uh, could be prolific on offense, especially throwing the ball. And Mike Evans historically has had just ridiculous distributions in terms of his ceiling game. So was very happy to get him. And then T.Y. Hilton uh, also following, you know, is kind of a prototypical best ball receiver, speed guy who breaks long touchdowns and uh, should have good distributions as well. So I was very happy to, to get both those receivers. And, uh, you know, at this point in the draft, I'm really just grabbing as many of these guys as I can up until Julian Edelman. Uh, so I was thrilled with those picks, and it was back to you, Friedman. Yeah, at 8.2, I took Hunter Henry. Just this, I, I was just shooting myself in the foot at this point. Is he really better than Ebron or Njoku or Cook? I mean – probably but there's a lot of risk with him because of injuries i think so by the way i like him ahead of those other guys especially who i think is getting overdrafted yeah i mean i do prefer henry to those guys i just don't know if uh the difference between henry and those guys is enough to justify passing on uh let's say like amari or aj green who again i thought i could have maybe gotten later but uh that didn't work out so anyway so connor henry and uh sean at that point uh you went with ebron uh, seemingly because I was putting uh, the the tight end squeeze not only on myself but on uh, on you and uh, and Raybon. So uh, yeah, talk about Ebron. I kind of let you dictate which of these tight ends I got. Then it was basically between me and Raybon uh, to see what tight ends we would get. So I was happy to get Ebron here. I I definitely have him at the bottom of this sort of mid tier, but I'm I'm fine getting him. You know his floor will be lower this year. You know with. Uh, Paris Campbell, Devin Funchess, and Jack Doyle back. Um, he's going to have some pretty bad games, but you know he still has that touchdown upside. So I figure for best ball, he still has that ceiling you're looking for. And by this point, um, I'm probably going to take three tight ends to kind of uh, make up for not getting one of the top three. So you know I, I'm taking Ebron here, and then in short order, I'll try to get uh, two more. Yeah, at uh, eight point four and then nine point one, Rayvon, you went with uh, Keenan Allen and then David Njoku. So we had something of a a tight end run, three guys at the position and four picks. Uh, can you talk about the decisions to go with uh, Keenan Allen and uh, Njoku? Yeah, so Keenan Allen's a guy I really like. I think he's one of the best route runners in the league, and I think he has um, he has this kind of sneaky 
uh, high upside potential in best ball that maybe you don't associate with a guy that does a little more of his work in the short to intermediate areas. But I mean, it, you've seen this guy just put up uh, numerous 10 catch games over the last few years. So I love getting Allen that late. Uh, you know, I, I like the, a couple other guys that are on the board. Uh, Amari Cooper, AJ Green, I think are still really strong picks at that point. But um, my kind of thing with the tight end was I think I have a little different approach than, uh, than, than you in corner in response to uh, Jennings is a tight end runner. Maybe it was just uh, maybe it was just more so how the draft fell to me. But um, I, I kind of made the decision that if if I wasn't going to get uh, any uh, you know three of those guys in, in the next two tiers, you know, kind of ending with Vance McDonald, I just wasn't going to take a third tight end. So I wanted to make sure I got at least two. So um, if if, uh, if things had shaken out a little differently in regard to tight end, I probably would have just doubled up on wide receiver again um, and taken Amari Cooper. But at that point, I felt the need to, to jump it off with Njoku. And I think, you know, the way I'm going to kind of be competitive at tight end, you know, missing out on the top three, and, and then you guys kind of took some more of the mid-range guys than me, was, is um, it's either going to be injuries um, to, to, to guys above them um, or just kind of nailing in, in the picks and having a guy like Njoku, who I think is really going to benefit from presence of Odo Beckham um, and, and the emergence of Baker Mayfield because Jarvis Landry's um, kind of been up and down as a red zone threat. Um, struggled. He was the only guy that struggled a little bit last year with with Mayfield, I think. And um, and so I think Njoku has this kind of sneaky multi-touchdown upside because you're still going to have to account for a lot of other players in that offense. You can't just give him as much attention as he might get for a guy, a tight end with that talent on most, on most teams. So I think he can have kind of that outlier, almost like O.J. Uh, Howard last year, where even though they had Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphrey was catching, you know, five balls a game or so, um, that – Howard was still able to, to put up really consistent um, and, and high upside stat lines for a tight end week in and week out um, just because of, uh, you know, his talent and, you know, what they were doing, what James Winston was doing. So um, I think now you can see the same thing with Njoku. So I'm just trying to kind of hopefully maybe Njoku actually climbs a couple spots and he's the tight end four or five or something like that um, instead of the eight. And that's what I was kind of banking on. So I needed – and then I needed to kind of run it back with a second guy. Um, so I needed to take Njoku there rather than what I probably would have done, which is take a wide receiver otherwise. One thing I really like about Njoku is that he's just so physically impressive, big, strong, fast, young. He's strong at the catch point. He's great after the catch with the ball in his hand. If there's one thing he could really add to his arsenal, I would say it's Roman because everyone could use a little bit of help in that area. Am I right? Studies show that 70% of guys who experience erectile dysfunction don't get treated for it. But thankfully, because of Roman, there's an easy way to chat with a doctor online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face -face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash NFLPod and talk with the doctor. If you and the doctor decide that treatment is appropriate, you can get genuine FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in unmarked packaging with free two-day shipping. Guys, go online and consult your doctor. Turn your ED into a TD. Boom, nailed it. For a free online visit and free two-day shipping, go to GetRoman.com slash NFLPod. That is GetRoman.com slash NFLPod for a free online visit and free shipping. GetRoman.com slash NFLPod. All right, Sean, you went with Leonard Fournette at 9.2. He's underwhelmed for his NFL career to date, but you can see the potential there and you can see how he could get so much usage in that offense in Jacksonville. Can you talk a little bit about your uh, thought process with him? 
Yeah, like you mentioned, he's he's underwhelmed, but the potential's there. I like getting him, you know, 15th or 16th running back off the board. Um, and as, you know, receiving chops are pretty underrated too. Uh, you know, they got rid of TJL and Corey Grant. So I think we could see a spike in Fournette's passing game usage. Um, I was just really trying to get, uh, at this point, I was trying to get six running backs before you guys. Um, I had uh, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Odell Beckham locked up and Patrick Mahomes. So um, I just felt the need to kind of grab these uh, higher-end RB2s and then kind of just, you know, fill out my bench later. So at this point, I'm just trying to get as many run- running backs as possible because I do like this range of running backs. Can you talk about Fournette versus Damian Williams? Because I told myself, if you take Damian Williams, then I'm taking a wide receiver. But if Damian Williams fell to me, even though I already had five running backs, I just, I like Damian Williams a, a lot. And I, I kind of couldn't resist him. But can you talk about those two guys? I love Damian Williams. I mean, at the end of last year is no fluke. He is a stud, but their running back situation could be dicey. There could be a scenario where Hyde or um, the the rookie uh, Darwin, Darwin, yeah, Darwin Thompson, Darwin Thompson could you know eat carry. So I, Damian Williams is you know leaning towards the frozen pond for me. Um, but I do like where you got him. I was definitely considering the two, but I just felt you know Fournette to lose his job, he basically has to get injured. I don't really see a threat. Uh, Rykel Armstead, I don't think is a threat to take away too many touches. So I just felt Fournette was safer. And with with four-man leagues, I'm just trying to get more stable workhorses that I know are going to kind of have the job no matter what, as opposed to taking chances. And Damian Williams, obviously his ceiling is just as high as Fournette. Just I I wasn't willing to kind of take that bet right here. Of all of the mistakes that I made in this draft, and there were many, Going with Damian Williams was structurally, I think, a, a pretty big one in that I, I took him as my sixth uh, running back instead of going with a wide receiver and, and also instead of going with uh, eight wide receivers uh, versus seven. Uh, so from a roster construction standpoint, probably a poor move, but that's what I did at 9.03, thinking that uh, I could start my wide receiver group with either Amari or A.J. Green at 10.2, but of course, uh, Pete being the pro, took Amari and A.J. Green at 9.4 and 10.1. Uh, Pete, you continue the wide receiver onslaught. Uh, can you talk about those guys? Yes, yeah, so this is the most interesting part of the draft. And fortunately, I mean, for me, you guys drafted a bunch of tight ends, which um, that run was really beneficial. And again, one of the big advantages to taking one of the top three guys, a lot of these guys will fall. However, uh, Leonard Fournette and Damian Williams are two of my favorite targets, which is why I often wait on running backs. I also love Derrick Henry, Marlon Mack, Devontae Freeman. Those are the tier of running backs I'm often targeting uh, to go with one of hopefully the top four or six guys. Uh, But I love the receivers. Uh, I mean, getting Amari this late is ridiculous uh, in this format. Amari's going in the fifth, sixth round most of the time in these four mans. A.J. Green is kind of in that same category. Although I have A.J. Green below Amari um, Cooper. He's kind of the end of the tier for me there. So I was thrilled to get both those guys. I was anticipating drafting Leonard Fournette or Damian Williams. Those are Leonard Fournette's actually the most owned running back that I have so far through 300 drafts this year. I think the offensive line is an underrated element. And Fournette, too, also had amazing distributions in terms of his scoring when he was healthy. Uh, people remember Derek Henry running long touchdowns, but Fournette two years ago had a bunch of long touchdowns. So I was bummed to see those guys go, but the draft really felt perfectly considering you guys drafted a bunch of tight ends. And I was able to get Amari Cooper and A.J. Green, capping off a run of Juju, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Amari Cooper, and A.J. Green. So I felt like I had the best receivers in the in the draft as well as the best tight ends. And I know, um, obviously, at this point, 
Sean had Hopkins and Adams who have been a tier by themselves, but my depth at wide receiver, I think, gave me a, a big edge in this draft. Yeah, I obviously never want to ish, uh, wish ill on a professional athlete, but Pete, I hope all of your running backs, uh, they, they somehow underperform. That's I, made a, I made a definitive mistake, and I wasn't paying attention. And I, given that I have three tight ends, like or with Ertz, Kittle, and, and Kelsey, I only need seven wide receivers uh, with the flex spot being occupied by tight end uh, a decent amount of weeks. And I needed six running backs in this draft, considering I waited so long. So I did make a mistake, and it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. I finally got a wide receiver with Brandon Cooks at 10.2. Uh, I feel good about him in, in best ball uh, as a, a high-end wide receiver, a guy who uh, has a, a lot of speed. I think he will have some big explosive weeks uh, and obviously attached to a, a very high-scoring offense. So uh, I like what he can do for the roster. Uh, Sean, you took one of the guys I was really hoping to get right after at 10.3 and Kenny Galladay, obviously a, a high upside explosive player. Uh, can you talk about where he slots in to your, uh, your wide receiver tiers? Yeah. So Pete mentioned it, but I have a similar drop off right around Julian Edelman. So I, you know, I wanted to take Galladay here before you guys um, soak up that, that top echelon of wide receivers. So I decided to take a break from my run on RB twos and uh, get Galladay here who, you know, he has a ton of potential, but he was infuriating a DFS last year. I think he has a lot of positive touchdown regression coming. He had so many, he had like three or four touchdowns that were either called back by a super penalty or a BS review, or he fell out the one there. There's just so much potential there. So I love his upside, love getting him as my first receiver on the bench and like my flex. So I, I just had to snag all of it here before you guys sort of went on your continued your wide receiver run. All right. So Ray Bond at 10.4 and 11.1, you took two running backs, Aaron Jones and Josh Jacobs. And this was the point. No, this was not like the only point. This was one of the points in the draft where I, I pulled like a, a job and was like, I've made a huge mistake, but seeing that you could get Josh Jacobs this late in the draft really drove home to me, the idiocy of drafting all of those running backs uh, early on. But uh, can you talk about Aaron Jones and Josh Jacobs? Yeah. So that was kind of the, the reason why I said, um, you know, once I had Saquon Bell, uh, and Johnson that I was going to hold off on running back because to me, um, yes, there, you know, there's, there are different tiers after those guys. And there, you know, there are a bunch of guys that, you know, the next half dozen guys are, are in a higher tier, but I mean, I, I don't really see, especially in a best ball format where, um, you know, my, my, my weeks are going to be optimized at running back anyway. Um, I didn't really see that much of a, a need to, to, to continue to aggressively hit the running back position when I knew I could get guys like that. Um, at this point in the draft. So again, uh, you know, I think that uh, I'm going to be behind the eight ball at tight end. Um, I'm hoping to kind of win that with a little bit or, or not even win that position, but just kind of stay afloat. Um, and, and hopefully that, um, you know, some of the positions that, um, you know, you guys didn't address this early um, will, will just kind of give me an edge. So I'm really trying to win running back and receiver. So I kind of hit wide receiver um, with five straight. And this was kind of the point where I started to say, okay, well, you know, I still, you know, everyone's going to have good running back depth. I still want to get guys who I think, um, have that that three down potential and, and that just you know monster workhorse uh, touchdown potential as well and I think Aaron Jones we kind of you know he's, he's always been a favorite of Aaron Rodgers and so um, for some you know the team loves to play Jamal Williams under Mike McCarthy you know he his uh, his his pass blocking acumen or whatnot but he wasn't even that good pass blocking on last year so they finally started playing Jones uh, in week eight and uh, you know he he really he really took off uh, until he got uh, until he got hurt. Again, so he averaged uh, 18 and a half, uh, half PPR points per game um, in the seven games between uh, week eight and week uh, 14. And then he got, 
and then he got hurt in week 15, so he only had four touches. So I thought that you know he, he's another guy where the Packers really don't have much, and that's another reason why I love Devontae Adams. They don't really have anything established uh, at, at receiver outside of Adams, and I think that Jones could be a major part of their offense. He, was catch, he started catching up a lot of footballs. Over the over that time frame, and I think you know that's something that you always want out of running backs at this you know stage. It's the one worry I have with Henry is that um, you know they they rode him for those last four or five weeks of the season, but he still wasn't really catching passes. And you know if that kind of goes back to the norm a little bit, I think some of the other guys still have higher ceilings despite what we've seen from Henry. So you know Jones caught 22 passes in those in those eight in those uh, seven games, which I thought you know over three a game, which I thought was good. And then Jacobs, you know, I know you're really high on him, Freeman. Um, I think he's a guy that's going to jump slot right into that that uh, that Marshawn Lynch role that Oakland had last year. And Marshawn Lynch was getting about a little over two thirds of the carries, um, you know, in his first six weeks. I think he was he was getting uh, he was getting about three little over three targets per game. And I just think that kind of usage and, and the fact that Oakland so aggressively targeted him, we know uh, Gruden will give of running back usage like that. You know, I think Doug Martin, you know, once Crowell went down, they just kind of signed Doug Martin back to play that same role. But I think that Jacobs is going to be kind of a one-for-one replacement for Lynch in terms of that usage. And that gives him a really high upside because he is a talented guy. I don't, I'm not a fan of, uh, you know, Derek Carr, but I think that this offense will improve. And it, you know, at times last year, it wasn't, it wasn't inept. It was just, you know, you're only going to get so far with a non-mobile quarterback who, who checks down all day just ask New York Giants. So that's, that's a concern. But I think Jacobs has a, a sneaky shot at, at, uh, at leading the league in, in Russian touchdowns. And I think Jones does as well. So um, I was really happy to get those two guys at that point. I felt like that's where I needed to start um, addressing running back depth before, before things really started dropping off. All right, Sean, you took Derrick Henry at 11.2. Any worries about his, uh, his workload or the offense he's in? No, I mean, I'm not expecting that amazing running he had at the end of last year to be just the entire season this year. But, you know, he is game script dependent. Raybon's mentioned that before. Um, so I think in best ball, it helps to have him. I don't really need to decide which weeks or try to predict which weeks he's going to get a massive workload. But at this point in the draft, I love getting someone with at least multi-touchdown upside. Um, certainly in half-point PPR, he gets a little bit of a ding. But uh, just have, getting that multi-touchdown upside is my – I think he's my fifth running back by now. I just couldn't pass that up. And, you know, I'm a huge Derrick Henry fan, so I, I'm thinking the Titans utilize him more to begin the year. They brought in Roger Saffold to help block, uh, which is, you know, already a pretty good offensive line. So I just like Henry going in this year. And, um, you know, the, their offense can't get much worse than last year. So I don't, I don't really have any concerns with Arthur Smith or um, their plans this year. Uh, I just felt like uh, Henry is the best running back available, so I just took him. All right, 11.3, I went with Sammy Watkins. I think he's a good best ball receiver in that he has the volatile uh, scoring profile. Uh, and then also I think there's some target upside as the potential number one there, especially uh, if Tyree Kill is out for the entire season, potential number one wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes. Pete, at 11.4, you went with Marlon Mack, followed up by Andrew Luck at 12.1. Can you talk about the decision to take a quarterback uh, at, at this point? And then especially uh, a quarterback like Luck, who at this point doesn't have much run upside. I think the draft went really well for everyone through these picks. Ray Bond, I really loved you taking those five receivers, grabbing those running backs. I think it made sense the picks that everyone made. Love Galladay is probably he's my highest on receiver actually so far. And Sammy Watkins, while there's some downside, he's a perfect best ball receiver. Uh, but then in this spot, I was thrilled to get Andrew Luck. I think stacking is really important in these formats considering it's winner take all. Already had T.Y. Hilton. And I think Andrew Luck, yes, he's not going to run for as many yards, but I still think rushing touchdowns are potentially there. They did hand the ball off to Marlon Mack a lot, but at this point, when I'm able to get both those guys, now I have Luck, Mack, and Hilton. 
I'm very bullish on the Colts. I think they're going to be one of the best offenses in football, and I'm going to capture their scoring with those three guys. So I was thrilled uh, with that spot, and uh, it was on to you, Friedman, and you got Julian Edelman, who I think kind of ends that wide receiver tier, uh, and I want to make sure I have the majority of my receivers at this point. Yeah, happy to get Edelman there. In terms of his scoring profile, not a, a volatile guy, but a, a lot of receptions, a uh, high-floor guy, happy to get him. Uh, Sean, you had Sony Michelle at 12.3. Uh, any thoughts on him? Uh, no, similar to Hunter Henry. I think he fell a little bit because it's half-point PPR. I understand that. But he still has that massive upside for specific game game scripts. So I, I don't have to pick which week those are. So I think for best ball, he's, he's a guy – that I wanted to have along with Derrick Henry where, uh, you know, they might be overlooked in half-point PPR, but uh, they're going to have some big weeks. So uh, I like getting him here. Ray Bond, at 12.4, you went Jared Cook, followed up at 13-1 uh, with Deshaun Watson finally getting your quarterback. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the decision to draft a quarterback right here? Again, I think, you know, with Sean getting Mahomes, I uh, just had to try to, uh, when I thought that it was, it was going to be about that time for, for quarterbacks to come off the board, that could – potentially outscore Mahomes, um, I, I had to start grabbing him. And so Deshaun Watson, we'd already, we already seen him. You know, I talked about in my Patrick Mahomes article. He essentially put up – he was on the same pace uh, as Patrick Mahomes uh, almost uh, in his rookie year. So he has that outlier potential. And um, and then, you know, that that's really as much as all it was for me, was just trying to start start to uh, draft quarterbacks with Pete, uh, kicking it off with uh, Andrew Luck. Sean, you went Robert Woods at 13.2. Can you talk a little bit about how you see the L.A. Rams wide receivers, Woods uh, versus Brandon Cooks, and then how Cooper Cup factors in? Yeah, I have them all pretty close, and they're, you know, they're just below the uh, Edelman tier that, that Pete's been mentioning. So I was actually trying to get Woods here and hope that Cooper Cup would make it back to me. I thought that was going to be a good strategy to kind of have both. Um, kind of maxes my floor and ceiling each week. So I took Woods here, hoping that would uh, cup would fall to me in the next couple of rounds. It's a nice tease right there. Very professional. <laughs> uh, at 13.3, I took uh, DJ Moore. Really love what he did last year as a, a rookie. I think he has a lot of explosiveness, especially he was just 21 years old last year. So uh, I think he has a, a really high ceiling. Uh, so happy to get him. I was hoping to get Godwin uh, in the next round, but uh, of course, Pete took Chris Godwin at 13.4, uh, and then took Devontae Freeman at 14.1. Uh, Pete, can you talk about the decision to go with uh, Godwin here instead of two running backs? So Godwin was a huge target of mine. I already had Mike Evans. I think stacking the receivers is really smart. Uh, just like Raybon took Thielen and Diggs together, uh, you're basically guaranteeing that you're going to get a good game out of one of them assuming the offense is successful. And I'm very, very bullish on Tampa Bay as an offense this year, especially in the air. So I was thrilled to get him. I was setting myself up to draft James Winston as my last quarterback, which, uh, you know, then I'd have two stacks of the Colts offense and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Uh, and Godwin is uh, one of the receivers that I'm targeting as kind of my, one of my last guys. So I was really happy with that. I think he's going to be great out of the slot. And Devontae Freeman's a perfect example of why you can wait on running back. Same with Jacobs, um, Aaron Jones, uh, Marlon Mack, Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette. I love all these guys. Freeman's probably the least sexy of them, but has a really high floor, and getting exposure to the Falcons offense was nice. 
I went with a Falcons player, Calvin Ridley at 14.2. Thought about Will Fuller, but Ridley was just so dynamic as a rookie. And I am pretty bullish on the Falcons offense in, in general. And uh, I, I like that Ridley doesn't have to be the, the number one guy there in that offense. He's not going to get the offensive attention that Julio Jones is going to get. But I think he has kind of uh, wide receiver one potential uh, as a overall producer. Uh, corner, you went at 14.3 with Vance McDonald. Uh, any thoughts on him and how he will factor into that Steelers offense? Yeah, so if you recall from our listener mailbag episode, someone asked um, who's the most likely uh, tight end to be the Eric Ebron of 2018 this year, and my pick was Vance McDonald. I think he's in a similar spot where he's on a high-octane pass offense, and with Antonio Brown gone, there's not many options behind Juju Smith-Schuster, so I think he could become their number two target. Um, he's an absolute beast. Sometimes, you know, he tackles the defender, so um, I think he could be a red zone threat, too. I love getting him this late. Um, he's one of my favorite low-end tight end ones this year. Raybon, at 14.4 and then 15.1, you went with Will Fuller and Baker Mayfield. I really like both of those picks. How are you uh, thinking about the, the Houston offense and the, the wide receivers and then uh, the, the Browns offense? So at this point in the draft, I just think that, you know, now most of our, you know, rosters are set there. Everything kind of flattens out a little bit more um, at all the positions. You know, Sean took, you know, if Sean hadn't took in Vance McDonald, I, I might have grabbed that third tight end. Um, but I said I wasn't going to draft one if, if, if anyone um, beyond him, you know, he was taken before I got to pick again. So um, at this point now, uh, I'm just trying to go for outliers and, 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 and guys who, you know, can, can really outperform um, where they're being drafted, I think, because I think really in terms of projection, it's, it's pretty flat. So um, May Mayfield and the Browns offense, as we talked about this early in the offseason, I think if anyone has that kind of Mahomes uh, 2018 upside, 50 touchdown upside, it's it's Mayfield if uh, if Beckham stays healthy because you have Beckham, you have Landry, you have Najoku, you have uh, Chubb, who was a pretty good pass catcher down the stretch last year. I mean, he, he wasn't known for it, but he was pretty good with it. Um, you still got Hunt coming back. Um, Probably Duke Johnson, Callaway can catch the deep ball. So just a litany of weapons um, for him. And he averaged uh, a tenth of a, uh, a point less in terms of uh, passing yards per attempt. 8.57. Mahomes is 8.67 over the last second half of the season. So he has major upside. I really wanted to get um, him and pair him with Watson. I think those are the two guys that have the best shot, um, you know, along with Kyler, of really overtaking Mahomes if that happens. And then Fuller was just a pick that – Again, I think wide receiver kind of starts to flatten out a little bit. So um, I, I thought Fuller is the one guy who he accomplishes a couple of things. Number one, I think what Pete said is sharp, you know, uh, trying to stack here. You know, if, if I'm going to if I'm going to get uh, what I need from Deshaun Watson, it's probably going to be because him and Will Fuller are clicking on all cylinders. If, if Fuller is clicking on all cylinders and he's catching probably 60 yard touchdowns, that's 60 yards um, that 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 uh, DeAndre Hopkins can't get catches in yards. So it kind of um, goes against him a little bit. Um, and, and then, you know, like if you look at just over the last two years, the 11 games that Fuller's played with Deshaun Watson, he's averaging 15.2 PPR points per game. Only six wide receivers, um, uh, excuse me, only seven wide receivers last year averaged more uh, half PPR points per game uh, than, than Fuller has over the last two years with, in games with Watson. So I thought that he has a sneaky shot, um, kind of like, you know, you mentioned with Ridley of just being – uh, a wide receiver one and, and that's what I'm that's what I'm going to need at this point in the draft to kind of get an edge all right at 15.2 uh corner got Cooper Cup so he has the Woods Cup combo 
Uh, at 15.3, I got Tyler Lockett. I was thinking about uh, Mike Williams, but went with Lockett instead. Obviously was very dynamic last year, and then I think has the chance to be the wide receiver one uh, in Seattle this year with uh, Doug Baldwin retired. Pete, at 15.4, you went with Mike Williams, and then 16.1 went with Carrion Johnson. I'm curious, uh, your thoughts on Carrion Johnson. Do you have concerns about his potential workload in the offense uh, in Detroit? I don't have concerns about the workload as much as other people. I understand there's competition, but I think they're going to be a run-heavy team. I was happy to get Kyrian Johnson. He's kind of one of the last running backs. I'm hoping that he's like in most of these things. That's kind of the last guy I want to take uh, as my running back. Uh, I want more of that kind of middling tier. I made my my biggest mistake in the draft. I think things went really well overall, but I should have taken two running backs here. I didn't need eight receivers, uh, given that I had three tight ends who could play in the flex, and I was already strong at wide receiver. I do love Mike Williams and Tyler Lockett. Those are two guys I'm often getting as my seventh receiver or eighth receiver. Um, so I was happy. I just kind of looked at my just overall board, and I, I took the two best guys available. Um, but it was a mistake not to take six running backs, uh, especially since I have more risk with some of the running backs that I have, especially with my last pick. So I thought this part of the draft went really well. Uh, love the quarterbacks that Raybon has. Those are two of my favorite targets. I think Baker is going to be incredible. And Deshaun Watson with Hopkins and Fuller, he uh, has one of the highest ceilings of any quarterback this year as well. And in general, I'm drafting quarterbacks really late, especially in the 12-teamers. But in these four-teamers, prioritizing getting some combination of Mahomes, Luck, Mayfield, or Watson is, uh, is something I'm trying to do. Talking about priorities, I want to mention Airbnb experiences for a quick minute. If you haven't booked an experience through Airbnb experiences, you need to prioritize doing that immediately. Move it to the top of your list. On part one of the pod last week, I talked about the awesome hiking experience I had through Airbnb experiences. Be sure to listen to that. It was one of the highlights of my summer. You know about Airbnb. It is your go-to site if you're looking for a place to stay, but you should also check out the site for Airbnb experiences, which are activities that can't easily be found elsewhere. They're designed for active participation. They are curated for quality and they are vetted for safety. These aren't your typical tours and activities. Airbnb experiences are hosted by locals who have deep, hands-on expertise in their fields. And with these experiences, you learn things you can't find online or in a textbook. And most importantly, you have fun. There are Airbnb experiences in over 1,000 cities around the world. So there are lots of options to choose from. And you don't need to be traveling to try Airbnb experiences. You can do them right in your hometown. That's what I did. I can't recommend Airbnb experiences highly enough. My wife and I are going on a vacation later this summer, and she is already planning the things we're going to do by scrolling through the Airbnb app and finding experiences, which I am sure will be fantastic. For your own adventures, check out airbnb.com experiences to explore one-of-a-kind activities created for the curious. All right, 16.2, uh, I went with Kyler. Sean, you went... <laughs> Aaron Rodgers at 16.3. What's so funny about that? <laughs> well, okay, okay, so I was, I don't know, I, I probably reached on Kyler, but I just, I like him a lot. And I was wondering uh, who you would have, who you would have taken if, if Kyler had, had fallen there. I imagine you probably still would have taken Rodgers, but I'd like to get your thoughts on Rodgers versus Kyler. Yeah, I probably still would have gone uh, Rodgers. I don't hate your Kyler pick, especially, I think he's your number two QB, right? No, yeah. he's my number one. Oh, he's your number one. So you only went, oh, okay. You went Kyler and Russell Wilson. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, for best ball, you, you want one of the guys to have extreme upside, but I mean, it's not like Aaron Rodgers doesn't. So, you know, and he's backing up Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, you know, I was just waiting as long as possible to take my second quarterback. Thought might as well take Aaron Rodgers. 
both guys have proven to put up, you know, they're capable of QB1 numbers. So just thought it was a good combo. But, yeah, you know, I don't blame you for taking Kyra there. All right, 16.4 and 17.1. Rayvon, you went with Allen Robinson and Mark Ingram. Uh, any concerns about Ingram's age? Obviously, he's going to an offense that looks like it's going to be pretty run heavy. But uh, any thoughts on, on how he will be used and, and just kind of overall wear and tear on him? You know, every year the Ravens running backs, you kind of start the year thinking one thing and end the year thinking another thing. But, um, you know, Ingram is a little different in that uh, he's a guy who they signed, uh, they went out and got, he just didn't kind of emerge out of nowhere on the roster, I mean, like week eight and then, you know, retain the starting job. That would have been Gus Edwards, which would have been a little different. But um, I think that, you know, Ingram's been getting saved a little by, by Alvin Kamara. Um, being ahead of him these last couple of years. So I'm not worried about the age. I just, at this point, again, it's a lot of guys are very similar in my projections. You know, I thought about James White here, but I'm, I'm looking at Ingram and I'm saying, okay, if somebody has a, a, a kind of a dark horse shot to lead, uh, you know, the league in rushing touchdowns, uh, you know, Gus Edwards averaged 17 and 17.4 carries, um, you know, over the, over the last seven games for the Ravens. And I know they're going to run a little bit more, but I think um, Ingram could be one of those guys that, you know, he can get a he has he's going to get a good shot at a touchdown almost every single week even if the you know the the usage isn't quite um certain um as far as exactly how many carries he's going to get exactly how many catches he can catch the ball um so i just really liked his upside there and then um robinson is kind of a guy who i think will uh, he's more of the guy that, that we saw in that in that playoff game against the eagles you know he's now a year removed from tearing that acl and he's entering his age 26 season which people forget. So he's, he should be peaking right about now. And I think, um, you know, he's still the top target on Chicago and what could be a really, really good uh, Matt Nagy offense. I know you disagree, Freeman, but, um, you know, I know Corner and I uh, have, are high on, on the Bears. And I think that, um, you know, another year removed for, for, for the ACL, another year removed from John Fox for Trubisky, um, that, that he, could, he, could, he could easily, like, if there's a guy that could kind of, you could get really late that could put up a Mike Evans-type season um, at, at this point in the draft, um, I, I would say Allen Robinson – is that guy. All right, Sean, at 17.2, you closed out your tight end position with getting Austin Hooper. At 17.3, I went with uh, Russell Wilson. You know, stacked him with Tyler Lockett. There was, uh, you know, the debate of Wilson versus Jameis, Lamar, Cam, Matt Ryan, Josh Allen. I just thought Wilson, out of those guys, maybe has the, uh, the highest floor. Uh, you know, I could sort of envision a situation where Lamar tanks, uh, Cam Newton is injured because of the shoulder, um, Matt Ryan regresses a little bit with the new offensive coordinator. Josh Allen doesn't develop in year two. Uh, you know, Jameis just implodes through interceptions and gets benched somehow. Uh, so went with uh, Russell Wilson. Not, not, not a great pick. Not terrified by it. It's just, yeah, whatever. Pete, 17.4. Uh, you went with Philip Lindsay. And then 18.1, you went with Jameis to, uh, to stack with your wide receivers. Uh, can you talk about those guys? really try to avoid getting this far down into running back. I'm trying to grab a lot of running backs like rounds 13 through 16 so I don't end up with someone like Philip Lindsay. He does have good distributions, uh, you know, as a running back, but I think his injury likelihood is very high, which I hate considering I only have five running backs. Going back, I would have loved to take Kenyon Drake somewhere uh, with Philip Lindsay, so then I have six running backs. Uh, but I was thrilled to get Jameis. Uh, love Jameis with Mike Evans and Godwin. Very bullish on that offense. Just a couple roster construction notes that I think are really important. Uh, specifically to you, Friedman, I love the Kyler Murray pick. He's one of my favorite targets in these formats. However, when I take Kyler Murray, I always take three quarterbacks. Uh, most of the time I'm taking two quarterbacks, uh, but there are certain circumstances where I'll take three. And there's some specific targets that I like taking three quarterbacks with. Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, 
and sometimes Cam Newton if you end up with David Moore, who I really like, and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, when you take those guys who have high upside but are also more likely to get injured because they're running the ball so much, I want three of them. So I uh, love the Kyler Murray pick, uh, although it was crazy that Aaron Rodgers fell so far. But if you're taking these running quarterbacks, I think it's uh, really important to get three of them just because what you're really trying to avoid in these circumstances is getting zeros. And that was a mistake I made by only having five running backs, including Philip Lindsay. I was happy with my other four. Lindsay is one of the most likely guys to get injured given his size. Yeah. And in all fairness, and so Pete, I agree, big picture roster construction, that's the smarter move. Uh, in all fairness, I thought I'm basically drawing dead anyway. So I basically need to go like naked Kyler Murray, which, which is two quarterbacks. They're hoping he doesn't get injured because I, I would basically see that as being the only way in which I would have a chance to win. He could be the best quarterback for best ball this year. I, I mean, I could see him rushing for 800 yards and like eight or nine touchdowns. Yeah. So his upside is, is QB1, uh, which I love. And Carson Wentz to me is a similar type player. Lewis Riddick just predicted him to be MVP during his you know prime year. He was uh, you know running the football a lot, rushing touchdowns. I could see him being right up there. So you know I'm targeting guys like that, and and, and Jameis Winston maybe a little bit. Uh, Cam Newton for sure. If you have the right Panthers, uh, those are guys who have really high upside, but also have higher injury risk. Yeah, I went with Jarvis Landry as my last pick. I don't hate him as my last wide receiver. He has more of a, a target floor versus upside, but uh, I think there is a lot of potential with him in that Browns offense, especially if uh, Odell Beckham Jr. does suffer an injury. So I, I think on his own, Jarvis Landry has potential, and then he has uh, built-in upside for more in the event of an OBJ injury. Uh, Sean, you closed it out uh, uh, with Chris Carson as the, your final guy. Uh, I like that pick quite a bit. Any thoughts on him versus Rashad Penny and how that backfield's going to be split? Uh, no, I think Penny could eat into his workload somewhat, but he's also, you know, picking up the, the Mike Davis role as well. Um, so I'm not too concerned about that. The, you know, the offense is going to run the ball a ton this year under Schottenheimer. So I think both can have big weeks. This, this pick was more of a decision to add a seventh running back um, and then the pick before having a third tight end because I think those are my weaker positions. You know, Pete mentioned earlier, you usually want seven to possibly eight wide receivers, which I agree with. But, you know, this draft, you know, I have Devontae Adams, Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Galladay, Woods and Cup. So I think they're going to be less volatile than, than most teams. You know, typically your five or your fifth or sixth receivers, Kenny Stills or Zay Jones. So I'm just kind of being a little more aggressive by stopping with six wide receivers. So because I think that's my strongest position. So decided to go with the seventh running back here. All right, and then Rayvon, you closed out the draft at 18.4 with Christian Kirk. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the decision to draft him uh, versus maybe some of the other wide receivers on the board? Yeah, so again, I'm just looking for guys that, uh, you know, probably a little more personal wean here because I think a lot of guys are pretty even in terms of the projection. So for me with Kirk, I just think he has massive, massive breakout potential, kind of the way I, I think uh, you and I and Pete and really all of us are just really high on, on Kyler Murray. Um, you know, last year, Kirk had 19% uh, target share, 24% air yard share. He was leading the team in, in, in receiving yards at the time he went down. Uh, he, he was two behind Larry in terms of, of – uh, of receptions and that's just in year one and now he's getting a, a better quarterback uh, Rosen and uh, Bradford uh, combined for the fifth worst passer rating of the past half decade um, with the Cardinals last year and Kirk still put up those kind of um, you know rookie numbers so I think that he has just massive massive breakout potential in year two he's perfect for um, the, the, the Kingsbury offense and you know I, I thought about uh, I thought about taking Alshon Jeffrey but I just feel like he's kind of on the downside and I feel like I kind of got the better version of him and Allen Robinson already. Um, I wanted to kind of give myself that option of, 
of what uh, taking any position with that last pick of the draft. So I, I purposely kind of had uh, you know the, the the six backs and the and the seven receivers and the two tight ends, but um, I just I just didn't think there was enough upside with taking a a third tight end. I, I think I kind of want to just cut my losses and, and try to again win that win that running back and that wide receiver position. And I thought having eight wide receivers, especially with a guy um, who I think could could find his way into a you know, high-end wide receiver to value and kind of beat his draft position. Um, I thought that was going to give me a better edge and taking a tight end that was probably um, not going to average much more than seven, eight points uh, per game and might actually, you know, I mean, I could be fine with Cook and Njoku anyway, and if I'm not, uh, probably wasn't going to win the league just by taking a third tight end with the last pick. All right, that is the four-person draft. Uh, Pete, thanks for joining the show. This shows a huge part of my process uh, throughout the offseason. You guys do an amazing job. Mock draft was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we'll do some more drafts together. That is going to do it for this two-part episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. Please rate and review the show in iTunes. For Sean and Chris and Peter, I am Matthew Friedman, Matt F. the Oracle. See you again next episode.